How's everyone doing today? It's good. My name is Dan Omer, and uh, my wife Linda and I have been attending here for a little over 25 years, for those that don't know me. Uh, I'm filling in this uh, week for Pastor Steve as he and Diana are off on vacation for a little bit, a much-deserved vacation, I might add. And uh, so I'll be talking this week. Next week, uh, Ron Owens will be bringing the message. And Ron's going to be bringing a message that I think you really want to make sure uh, you're here for. And that's not to encourage you to leave at this moment, okay? (laughs) I would like you to stay for a little while here. Um, But what's going to happen is Ron's going to talk a a little bit about some of the work he's been doing with the local board of administration, the LBA, in terms of our leadership development, in terms of the work we're doing with Pastor Steve's sabbatical coming up, which is happening next year. So you will not want to miss it. As I was coming up front today, uh, we had a song called Overcomer that was being played. And uh, for some, they look at that and say, hey, that's kind of a cool tune or an inspirational message. And I thought to myself, what are some of the ways in which Caring Community Church has been an overcomer? And you were to think back, you know, 30 plus years ago, we first started meeting in a Holiday Inn in uh, the other side of town, over it's now the Days Inn, right off I-94 next to Arby's. And so that was one of the ways in which we were an overcomer. You know, we, we started there, a very small group, and then moved to the United Methodist Church in which we, we uh, rented some space for a period of time. And then we made the uh, huge investment in this facility. And um, so we'll talk a little bit about that journey uh, today, But that's one way in which we've be, been an overcomer. The second way in which we're an overcomer is really uh, to quote scripture out of Romans 8.31. And you could probably recite this with me if you wanted, but I'll say it to begin with and then you'll get your opportunity. And it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Okay, so that's my turn. Now it's going to be your turn. So I'll say the first part and you'll follow what I say or recite what I say, and then I will say the second part. Okay, so if God is for us, who can be against us? Okay, very good. So uh, this is the second way in which we've kind of been a little bit of an overcomer. The third is tied into the fact, and there's many more than three, but I'm going to just talk about three to begin with, is our pastoral family who has done a phenomenal job over many, many years of trying to work, help develop us, grow us, and put a lot of effort into it. That could not have been done without the volunteer work that so many of you have been doing over these 30-plus years. So with that in mind, you're to be congratulated as well. But I have to tell you, just like some of you, I am an investor, okay? You may have a 401k, you may have a stocks, stocks or bonds or whatever it is you do to invest. And every time I've gone to invest money, one of the things that it says in bold is past performance is not a guarantee of future success. Okay? Has anyone ever seen that statement before? A few heads are nodding. Yeah, that's how it works. Okay, so you can never take things for granted and you need to make sure that you're always pushing forward. So as we approach this time when Pastor Steve will be taking his sabbatical, it's also a time for us to challenge ourselves as well to get better. Pastor Steve's going to be on sabbatical so that he can work and improve and refresh himself. At the same time, we need to refresh ourselves with the things that we're doing, maybe get a little bit stronger with 
our worshiping, with our relationships, with our giving, with whatever the case may be, we need to make sure that we continue to improve. So um, I'm going to talk quite a bit about this today, but let's start with a word of prayer, if you don't mind. Dear Father in heaven, uh, be with us this morning. Open our hearts and our minds to the message that you would want us to hear. Father, during the next 30 minutes or so, we'll be reminded of people and places that are special to us. Some are no longer here with us, but with you. I'm thankful for those that came before us, and I'm thankful for the price that they paid to get us to where we're at today. Father, I ask that we would not tire of the work in front of us, but that we would look for ways in which we can contribute to the greater good of your kingdom. Bless our time this morning, and this I pray. Amen. So if I could have you walk away from today's uh, time with a couple things, I'd want you to think about the fact that everything we do here is to change lives for eternity. Okay? Kind of a big objective, really. That's the mission of the Christian church. And thus, my title for the message is, We're in the Business of Saving Lives. Now, can anyone tell me what that bridge is there? Did I hear it? I heard it. The the Mighty Mac. Okay? And there's a reason behind that. So, at the same time, if you struggle to see some of the words on the screen, you can blame me for it. Okay? But I did have a purpose behind it, so just be patient with me. Okay? I'll be sharing uh, about our programs in Caring for the Generations. Now, Caring for the Generations, for many of you, is a familiar term. If you have not been worshiping with us since the start of 14, you may not be as familiar with it. But essentially what happened back at that time period was our growth had somewhat plateaued, and we felt like there was a need to add additional programs We felt like to bring in more people, we were going to need those programs. And in order to have programs, we needed to have places. And so one of the first things we addressed in 2014 was the the concept of adding to our places. If you were to think about our our, uh, sanctuary here, it ended right here. This was the back wall. Okay, so everything in back of me is what was added since 2014. So much after much prayer and much discussion, lots of work by the building committee. Thank you all to the building committee and those that were on there. Thank you to those who dedicated time, resources, effort, and prayer to get us this point. We decided to break ground in 2015 to add on here and add on the children's wing that you were also aware of. You know, there wasn't, everyone didn't always see things the same way when we did our building project, Okay. Some people wanted this, other people wanted that. Um, And quite frankly, we see things in life a little differently from time to time. And so we'll spend a few minutes talking about that. If you were to look at this slide here, I'd like you to take a look at this and tell me what it is that you see. First of all, has has anyone seen this slide before? A few people have raised their hands. Yeah. Okay. So you have an advantage you know what it is that you're looking for. By, can someone tell me, who has not seen it before, what they see on this slide? Anyone want to venture a guess? A woman with her head turned. Okay, thank you. Is, can you give me an approximate age of the woman in the slide? 30? Okay, all right. Does anyone see... The young woman that was described? Okay, I see a few heads nodding. Does anyone see anything else? 
By show of hands, how many only see the young woman in this slide? Okay. How many see something different? How many didn't understand the question? All right, so we're playing a little game here, and that's okay, because I think we sometimes do see things. If you look at this, yes, you can see the what appears to be the eyelash, the nose, the cheekbone, the ear of the younger woman. But perhaps if you look at it a different way, you can see the nose, the mouth, and the chin of a slightly older lady. Does anyone see the older lady in this picture? Okay, so a few hands go up here. And I will tell you, if you would like, uh, you can take a picture of this home and you can, you can have some fun with it. And uh, Mark has some copies of that in back there. Just get, get one from him before you leave. But I put this picture up so that you could look at the same picture and sometimes see something different. You know... Um, as we go through our lives, it's not uncommon for us to look at the same thing as someone else is looking at and yet see things differently. It happens every day. Okay? And as part of that, I think it's important that we think about things from other people's perspective as well. In Galatians it says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. It goes on to say, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. What's Galatians telling us about that? Essentially saying that, yes, we should constantly do good, but I think it does give a little bit added advantage to the family of believers. And so when you think about an expansion that's going to affect multiple people, I think that fits into that category. We all see our life, you know, in some ways through our own lens. And if you were to say, for those that have glasses on today, if you were to say, all right, I'm going to give my glasses to someone else and see what it is to look like with their lens, it would be a different story of what you see in life. Okay? And the same thing's true with our experiences. You can't repeat your own experiences, the people you know, the books you've read, the places you've traveled to, the relationships you see. You know, you have your own experiences that you work through, and that causes us to look through a different set of lens. And yet the Christian walk really commands us to see things through Christ's eyes. Okay? If you were to look at this next slide that talks about this, we'll skip through that. Let he who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. In John 8, or you've seen this, this um, verse before. It essentially is saying, Everyone's looking at this individual in one way, but if you're without sin, then let you throw the first stone. It's looking at it from someone else's perspective. Or Matthew 25:45 that says, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. What does that mean? It essentially is trying to tell you that if you have an opportunity to help someone else and you choose not to do it, it's almost like not helping Christ. Okay? So seeing things from someone else's perspective is an important part of this, this whole process. And it was part of what we were trying to do when we introduced Caring for the Generations uh, several years ago. Does anyone know for a fact what our world's going to look like in 2025 or 2035 or 2045 
I mean, it's very difficult to know, but you do your best job you possibly can to try and uh, look ahead a little bit. We look through the world through our own lens. And quite frankly, there are certain things that we get more enthusiastic about than others. Okay? And as we talk about some of the programs we're involved in, we'll talk a little bit about that um, as well. But one of the things I want to digress to for just a second is uh, my wife, who worked at Albion College for many years, and she doesn't know this is coming because I conveniently left it out when I, when I said the message to her yesterday. But um, she's had a couple very close friends, lots of friends she, she always has, but two in particular that she met at the college that they've continued to stay friends with for a long time. And this is a picture of them, okay? Linden or an Albion College crew is what I call it. These are friends that get together for dinner every so often. And they'll meet in Ann Arbor or Jackson or wherever it is that they'll meet, and they'll have a lot of time of discussion. Now, the funny thing about it is, is that in all the times they've gotten together, not once have I been invited to go to one of those dinners. (laughs) I don't understand why. I mean, I thought I'd be able to participate, but the fact of the matter is, is that they have fun. She's very enthusiastic about it. Now, fast forward to a week ago, Sunday, I had the opportunity to play golf with a very good friend of mine who happens to view the world a little differently than I do. His lens work differently than my lens work. Okay, and uh, we have a tournament every year and this little trophy in the middle is the Paul Bunyan trophy. And it's a couple of truly a couple of kids that they're having fun together. But my point being is that if I were to invite Linda to go to that, she wouldn't be all that enthusiastic about it. Now, on a much more serious uh, comment, I'll talk a little bit about this slide here. Now, if you were to go into Barb Densmore's class, one of the things you would see is pictures lined up along all the hooks, the coat rack, or the coat hooks, talking about each of those individuals and how Jesus loves each and every one of those children. Now, that's enthusiasm, and that is a program. It's a program that says people are important, children are important, regardless of what age they may be, They are important to Caring Community Church, they're important to God, and they're important to Barb. Okay? And I think it's really important when you look at that. It's part of her legacy, truly, is that how many children have gone through one of her classes, and that is a very positive memory that they have in their life. If we were to look at, this is one example of programs, but... This slide, which we have used before in 2014 when we were starting our Caring for the Generations campaign, outlined people, programs, and places. And initially, I'm going to talk about programs. Barb Densmore's class was one example of that. But you can see other ones that are there. This is the harvest party that we have, ironically, out at Barb and Jerry's house in their uh, barn. And so the, uh, those are cooking. Good job, D.L., a huh? um, little bit of food to be eaten. Huh? I see a head moving around over there. Um, looks like we're praying for the food and we're enjoying each other's company. It's fellowship. It's taking time with one another. But everything that we're doing is tied into our relationship with, with Christ and our relationship with one another to try and grow that. You'll see some food that that's a part of the... Uh, part of the harvest party 
And I move on to another program called Vacation Bible School that we experienced just this summer. Vacation Bible School, uh, which we had uh, this year, has lots of activities for children. And again, you may have seen some of these programs before, but we brought in heroes from the community this time to talk to our children about it. So we used biblical heroes and then we used uh, heroes that people saw every day in police and fire and military. And you'll see some of these prayers that we that we said for our vacation Bible school that many people participated in. For those that have been here for a period of time and participated in vacation Bible school, you'd also see Denver uh, here with Pastor Steve. Denver went on. I mean, he was in vacation Bible school here. And for those that worked with Denver when he was here in vacation Bible school, he was a fairly rambunctious uh, young guy. Okay. Uh, and look what he grew up to become. And he served in our country admirably, went to Afghanistan and came back after, after you know, multiple times there. Um, this is the next generation of caring for uh, the generations from Vacation Bible School. And you see the children there as well. And having a little bit of fun there, Dom, I can see you back there huh? holding someone up. If you were to look at each of these individuals that are actively involved in the Vacation Bible School, there's a lot of people involved in it. And according to data that was provided for us, we've had 134 people volunteer their time to Caring Community Church in the last year. That is significant. It's significant that people are willing to give up their time. 18 new volunteers have have stepped up. The new children's worship team has 10. That's something that developed as a result of Caring for the Generations, the new wing that's down at the other end of the church. So it's truly amazing the way people have stepped up, and I think that's an important part of it. Now, if you were to look at the number of um, programs that we have where people are stepping up, you could look at this and see many of these. And I know it's a little difficult to read, but... Trust me when I say these are all things that people have done or activities that we have tied into our church. Another slide here shows more of them. In total, there's 29 of them. Okay? And I want you to keep that in mind when I read this next scripture. This is from the book of Exodus, chapter 18. And I'm actually going to start on on verse 13. It's kind of long, so just bear with me. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning until evening. Sounds like they were in a long line, doesn't it? When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for these people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning until evening? Moses answered him, Because the people come to me to seek God's will, whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father replied, Moses' father-in-law replied, saying, What you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me, and I will give you some advice, and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God, bringing their disputes to him. 
teach them his decrees and instructions, and show them the way they are to live. Men, but select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, are trustworthy, who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you, the simple ones they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of the people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. Now, that was a lot to read. But the point of it was to look back at some of the programs that we have in place. One of the things that Ron Owens has been outstanding in teaching us as a board is to say each of these individuals that kind of head this up are working with Pastor Steve. And if I were to look back at what Moses says in 1817, he says, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourself out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Now, the West Michigan District, of which we're a part of, for the Wesleyan um, denomination, recommends that a pastor go on sabbatical about every seven years. We are way behind. I mean, way behind. Okay. But if you think about the burdens that are a part of that responsibility, and you look at each of these programs that are in place, and so many people have stepped up, and that is a blessing. And that's the great thing we have about our church. But the reality of it is is that we need others to uh, you know, step up as well. And so we're going to be spending more time developing leaders, and that's one of the things that, that Ron has really been working on us towards. So with this in mind, with Exodus 18 in our rearview mirror, we're going to move on to places. Okay, remember, three areas, people, places, and programs. And so we're going to talk about that as it relates to the places part of it. Um, we'll start here and talk about what you see there as a cornfield is where we are today. Someone had the vision. Someone had the idea that says, if you build a church, you can touch people's lives. And we are in the business of saving lives. So as we started to construct it, you see Pastor Steve and his family and then some family pictures that of the rest of our, our family of believers here, Ron Owens, who, is, who headed up the building committee to start with, and then at some of our time together is in the celebration uh, part of this as we were breaking ground. And again, this, this touches us in, in many, many ways. And we had difficulties along the way. It wasn't always easy. A windstorm wanted to knock down the, uh, the trusses that we had and did a good job of it. But... In December of that year, we made what we call our Victory March. And the Victory March was from the old United Methodist Church, marched down Erie Avenue, or Irwin Avenue, sorry, to come down here for our first day in our new home. And this is Pastor Steve giving the message. So, it's been a journey. That was one part of our expansion. 
Another part occurred in 2015, which after all the work that, that was done, we, did, we had groundbreaking for this new expansion both here and also in the children's wing that's there. And you'll see a few family pictures there as well. This is our building uh, committee, and thank you for their efforts for sure. Um, pastor's family again, and then some other family members that are here as, as part of it. I always like this special picture. For those that haven't heard the story, it's kind of unique. Uh, Pete and Dolly Isham, their very first time that they came to church here at Caring Community Church was the day that we marched from United Methodist Church to here. So imagine that, your first time that you came. Uh, hey, glad to have you here. We're going to pray, and then we're going to walk you know, a mile and a half down to the new church. But they did it. They were troopers, and I think it's a great story as, as part of it. The worship that occurred with it, and uh, certainly uh, how the Rubios were, were so uh, active in it, and we miss them today. The inside of our church where we're at now. And then while we were constructing this, we showed some flexibility and had Caring Community South that went on. And this was out at Barb and Jerry's uh, place. And for five or six weeks we met. And the same greeter is the same greeter he's always been. Pat's there helping out, whether it's here or down at uh, Densmore's. And this is what our church looked like during this time period. Again, these are journeys that we took to help the greater good. Not knowing what it was going to look like in 10 years or in 20 years, but believing that it was the right thing to do to try and make this make a difference. So some people may say, well, tell me exactly, or this is, this is the panoramic picture we had in our new facility. Pastor Steve um, is there, and, and you can tell that uh, we're all pretty excited about that. So I personally think he's kind of, you know, sucking in a little bit there. He looks pretty, pretty sharp there. So sorry, Pastor, when you listen to this message, you're going to jab me for that one. So he'll tell me I should suck it in too. So that's all right. But, you know, our goal throughout this whole process is to one day be in a position in which we're told, well done, good and faithful servant. And this is just one of the many steps that we've taken along the way. Now, Caring for the Generations update, I want to talk to you a little bit about that because we're now 80% in. Again, a capital campaign that we started in January of 15, and it goes through the end of this year. There are those that join somewhere in the middle and are continuing on beyond that. But a goal, and you can see this. I should, I should point this out. So in your program, if, you do, if you're not in the habit of looking at this, I would encourage you to do so. On the uh, second page, on song, opposite the songs, uh, it lists down exactly where we're at. So Caring for the Generations pledged 281000 and Caring for the Generations received to date a little under $230,000. So that's pretty outstanding. Yes. You know, we're, <coughs> excuse me, we're making progress on that. And yet, um, if I were to break it down, and this may be helpful, uh, some people ask, well, how are we doing against the pledges that came in? Well, 43% of all the pledges are 100% complete. 25% are between 80 and 99%. So essentially 68% of all pledges are close to being on or on target or right on pace for it. 15% of pledges are somewhere between 50 and 80%. 
and 18% are under 50% at this point in time. Um, I'd encourage you to look at this on a regular basis. You know, it, it tells a story. And um, as a reminder, these pledges were all evaluated against, or the, um, those percentages were evaluated against the, the pledges. And it was never about equal gifts. It was always about equal sacrifice. And that's part of what I think has made the, the campaign so successful. Now, as we wrap up on the places side of it, these are some of the things where our place, our home, our church home, have affected people on the outside. And, and I know that's a little difficult to read at the bottom, but showers, bridal and baby, graduation open houses, palette painting. One we didn't put on there, which was a mistake, and that's a mistake on my part, is the July 4th fireworks outreach. And that brings in a large number of people. But you can see all the things that we do to help uh, grow and develop um, our relationship um, with one another and our relationship with the community. So we've discussed places and we've discussed programs a little bit. Um, we've shown, shown slides of the amazing progress that's tied to your sacrificial giving. And I think it's really commendable to each and every one of you that we're in the position that we're in. So if you've been looking at this triangle and you've seen places and you've seen programs, you know that the last piece that we haven't talked about yet is people. And we're going to get to that in just a second. But before I do that, I want to take a little bunny trail to talk a little bit about movies. Now, just by a show of hands, are there any people in here that enjoy watching movies? Okay, I see a few hands that are up in the air. Okay. Uh, anyone that in here that could say they watch a movie once a month? Maybe. Okay. How about once a week? Maybe. Okay. Anyone could sit here and say, hey, I've watched the same movie more than two or three times. Anyone? I see a lot of hands that do that. That's interesting. Very interesting. Could, would you say you watch the same movie like, has anyone watched the same movie like ten times? This is interesting. Okay. <laughs> and you're actually providing me a little bit of firepower here. So this is, this is kind of cool. My wife's shaking her, hand, her head and that's okay. But if one of these movies happens to be on TV, guess who's watching it? Okay, that would be me. All right. And you'd say, well, don't you know uh, a typical question? Don't you know how it ends? Uh, yeah, I do remember how it ends. I just happen to like it. Okay. And maybe it's a line out of there that you like. Maybe it's the actor or the actress. Maybe it's a something, a story that's told that you think needs to be told. And, it, and the message continues to get delivered home for you. But on the bottom right hand side, there's a movie called A Few Good Men. And in this movie, there is a line that's very short, so you have to pay attention, but it's very short that I want you to hear because it's really tied to my message today. We're in the business of saving lives, Matthew. 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 We're in the business of saving lives. This movie was A Few Good Men, and it was about a military activity and an investigation of an of a, of a, uh, incident that occurred on a Marine base um, in which a lawyer was defending individuals that had, had been charged with a crime. A few years ago, the West Michigan District had training for the local board of administration members. 
And our church, along with all their churches, were invited to come up to Lansing for this training. And the very first comment that Chris Conrad made at the training segment I was at talked about this, and it's the top line there. The mission of the church must always be about seeking and saving the lost. And thus my title is, we're in the business of saving lives. Now there's other things that are listed down there. What are we doing today to bring people to Christ and and the importance of baptism? And, And you'll see that here in a second. But the important thing that I'm trying to emphasize is really what our district has been saying, is that what is the mission of our church? It's always in the business of saving lives. And so in Acts 2.47, it says, And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. And how do we compare as it relates to that? Well, ironically, as I was preparing for this message, I asked Pastor Steve for some facts and figures. Because while I may have heard these in a board meeting, I didn't have them all collected. Ironically, he prepares a report that goes to the district that tells this same story. What you can see here is in the last five years, 45 people accepted Christ as their Savior during this five-year time period. 31 people were baptized. We're in the business of saving lives. That's what Pastor Steve had prepared, had given to the district, and that kind of gives you a flavor for, for how we're doing. So we're on the home stretch now. And as I was preparing the message, I asked the board a little bit about some feedback on how they felt caring for the generations had impacted people as related to people, programs, and places. And one of the responses we got was about baptisms. So here's baptisms, and now the reason for the Mighty Mac is that because of the baptism, we believe that people may be on a different bridge, going someplace else. All right? And when you look at this, all the individuals that have been baptized in our church And this is not going to be all of them, but just a smattering of people that are out there that have gone through the process of immersion of water to be born again. Some at different ages, some with uh, children being dedicated. They're all in this process of going through the practice of baptism and dedication. So when we talk about um, people, programs, and places, we've talked about the program part, the places, and now the people side of it. But one of the comments that was returned back to me by, by one of the board members in this survey I took talked about a comment called people come and go. And it really struck me as somewhat, somewhat odd. I didn't quite know how to interpret it. But... As I read about it and I thought a little bit more about it, I realized that because of the transient society that we live in, people are here for a period of time. We do not know how long each and every one of us will be here. Okay, What we do have an impact on is what we can do while people are here. And that's really where I want to emphasize. It was many years ago I was teaching a third to fifth grade class. And there were some some uh, children in there. It was a pretty rambunctious group. And sometimes we play a game to break the ice a little bit called Two Truths and a Lie. Now, this individual doesn't attend here anymore, but the story is still very fresh in my mind. During this game of Two Truths and a Lie, the objective for these third through fifth graders is to tell three things about themselves that 
people, they'd want people to know, one of which is not true. Okay? And people went around and they told their different stories. And this is how it is when you teach, you know, the younger kids. You hear all kinds of things. And I can tell you it's a blessing. And it also is very humbling. And this time it was very humbling for me. So one time we got to a boy and he said, my real father has passed away. My second dad is in jail and I don't like to fish. And the the lie was that he didn't like to fish. He loved to fish. People carry burdens in their hearts every day. And we're in the business of saving lives. That's what the church was created for. That's why we're here. And so all the things that we do, all the programs that we run, whether we're singing or praying, whether we're volunteering or decorating, whether we're a board member or a first-time visitor, whether we're cleaning or counting, we're all in the business of saving lives. I'd ask that you'd uh, close with me in uh, prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you.